Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone. I'm back for another episode of um, the Intuition Revolution in Business. And today is um, book podcast. So you might have noticed that I've um, done a series um, <coughs> first with a traditionally published author, Gay Hendricks, a wonderful book called The Corporate Mystics. Then I went on to interview a friend of mine who just launched her business book, self-published, um, and then last time I talked a little bit about uh, why write a business book and whether it's for you. And today it's going to be a mix of a book review as well as continuing the journey of making you think about writing your own book. Okay. So I believe that business books are essential to most entrepreneurs and yet they postpone it, writing it because they're too busy, right? And too busy doesn't mean anything, because when you have the right priorities, you always find the time to do the things that you want to do. So the first issue with saying that you're too busy to write a book is that you're probably focusing what is urgent but not as important, and it takes over on a daily basis. So this is typical. I even had a client just last week where we talked about that. Not that she's intending to write a book, not that I know of, but she, during our coaching session, she had this realization that she had let her business take over. And she was basically, as, as soon as she became successful in her business, she stopped working on her business in, in the long-term strategy. And writing a book is a wonderful way to look into that long-term strategy because the book is here to stay. We'll talk about it a little bit more uh, further in this podcast. But being too busy is often a way to avoid doing that you, what you know that you have to do, but that you have fears around. So interestingly, I have two VIPs at the moment who work with me and who are writing a book. So we discuss these things on a daily almost, and it's fascinating to see that we all have fears around becoming more visible and about writing a book. So I'm going to sh um, share with you some of the fears that came up in sessions in the hope that you'll understand that we all have the same fears. And I want you to understand as well that we even have the same fears as those, you know, New York bestsellers, authors, or, um, you know, people who've made it to the top really visible. They still have the same fears if they're writing their second or third book. Um, so it's really interesting to look at these fears because these should not stop you from writing your book. These should just be addressed, looked at, and use the tools that you can so that they actually can fuel the fire for you to write the book you're passionate about, okay? So some of the fears that have cropped up for me and my clients are people will look at me as, um, as an expert and I don't know enough about the subject. I will feel like a fraud, um, my book will be picked apart, uh, my life will change, I will lose control over my life, 
Uh, I would need to become someone I'm not. I'll be a laughing stock. Uh, my book will be out of date as soon as it's published. And one of the most juiciest, more people will need me. And, and this is a big fear and a very, very valid one. So time is a, a big concern, the biggest concern for most entrepreneurs. We're stretched, right? Entrepreneurs, I think I mentioned that in one of my past podcasts, tend to work um, a lot more uh, than uh, people in jobs. I don't know, if, if was it 60% more? I can't remember exactly the statistics, but I did share it in one of the past podcasts. So because time is the biggest concern for you, you're going to be afraid that your book is going to take you away from your business and also possibly from your family or friends or impact the time that you have for your well-being and your health. But these are myths. So I want to um, talk about two myths that might stop you getting started with your book. The first myth, and that's one I entertained for a long time before I became an author, because I, I had this, you know, um, almost like Hollywood dream of what an author looked like and, and behaved like and what their lives was like. And so I thought that authors went on writing retreats. And of course, there was no way I could go on the writing retreat at that time. I was a single mum of two children when I wrote my first book. And it was just impossible. I couldn't even access a coach because people didn't, coaching, didn't do coaching online back then. So I want to tell you that I've written five books, okay, two nonfiction, one novel and two memoirs. And I've done that whilst having toddlers, whilst breastfeeding, with sick children. My kids are all autistic. I have four of them. And I've had my own health challenges. And despite that, I've managed to not just write the first draft or start a book. I have actually these five gorgeous polished books, right? Two of them being published, one of them about to be published, and one is more on the back burner because I need to wait for the right time and I want to focus on one book at a time. I want you to know from personal experience that once you commit, the time will appear. It's not the other way around. It's not like when you have the time, you will commit to your book because it's never going to happen. It's, time is like the universe doesn't like voids. So as soon as you have a bit of time, it's going to be filled up with something else. So it's for you to realize that you're the master of your time and that you're going to make that decision and you're going to stick with it. You're going to commit to writing your book, right? The second myth is that books don't make money. So it's not a good investment of your time as a business owner because it's not a money generating activity. And yes, books will ask you to invest time and money into them. I'm not going to deny this. Um, you know, you can't write a good business book without having a proper editor, without knowing what you're doing, because otherwise you're going to produce a bad quality book and that's going to damage your reputation. But it's probably not as much money as you think it will. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You can make do, you can find creative solutions, but you still need to put an, a minimum time of investment a minimum money investment into your book so that you produce because you're going to if you're going to spend hours writing it, you, you might as well, you know, polish it to its best version. You know, a book cover, for example. When I published my first memoir, I didn't have the budget to make a good cover, so I had to batch one up myself. And I still have the copy on my shelves. I think I wanted to show it to you. I am a little bit ashamed of the book cover, but at the same time, 
if I had let this stop me from doing it, I would have never done it. So for those of you who are watching on YouTube, here's the book cover for my first memoir. And I'd, I mean, my graphic designer that I hired for the second version said it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but it's, it's definitely not professional, if you can see that. Whereas once I had the money to invest into a new book cover, it became this gorgeous picture. So I'm going to describe for those of you on the podcast. My first book cover uh, had a photo of me at the center, the title at the top, and some like a light that was like falling on me with little sparkles. But the font was not professional and it was a little bit clumsy. And because the book was, uh, I didn't know how to measure the spine, uh, the spine that I created, and it was it was incredibly complicated back then. I think um, publishing platforms have greatly improved now how you can create your own cover. But because I didn't I didn't know how to uh, define the spine thickness, um, the spine that I designed actually uh, bleeds over both sides of the cover and the back. But I mean, overall, it's not the most disgusting cover you could find, but it doesn't look professional. That's what I want to say. Now, the one I had professionally designed has a gorgeous picture of Paris, where I was born and where most of the memoir takes place. It has an orb on the side that goes onto the spine. Of course, the spine is perfectly measured and onto the back. Um, and orbs are very important for me in this particular book because um, I saw orbs. Um, I captured orbs, actually, with my camera when I was in Paris. And this memoir is about uh, the transition of my father when he died of his brain tumor back in uh, 2014 and my quest to make peace with my father. So that's the second um, book cover. So you're in business and if you're going to write a business book, it needs to look professional. This wasn't a business book. This was a memoir. So I suppose I got away with it a little bit with the, with the clumsiness of it. But still, uh, I don't think that was... Um, well, I think it shows that, you you know, it's better done than, than perfect. Uh, and also it shows that on the second edition, you can improve matters um, and not to hold back. OK, but let's get back to the myth number two that I was talking about, that books don't make money. You might be out of pocket, which was the case for me on my first memoir, um, even though I did a Kickstarter. But that's for another complete uh, different um, <laughs> podcast episode. Um, but if you get one or two VIPs from writing your book, or if you get that speaking gig that will bring you in front of your ideal audience, this is actually, you're talking big money, okay? So a, the money that a book brings should not be measured by the number of copies that you sell. It should be measured by the opportunities that it is going to create for you, okay? So... The, the way to really um, be clever about writing your business book, though, is to place your book at the center of your content mar uh, marketing, your content strategy. And this is something I, I was rabbiting on for years when I was a, 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 a book coach and nobody listened. And I was really frustrated about this. So when I came across Alison Jones' book, which I'm going to talk about today, and I'm going to hold the book to, um, to so that you on YouTube can see the book. It's called This Book Means Business. I love the cover because it has these big, bold letters and it has a, a wonderful book with 
a, a rainbow face over it that looks more like little those little drops of ink that people uh, when they used to um, use fountain pens would leave on the paper. And the subtitles is, subtitle is clever ways to plan and write a book that works harder for your business. Now I met Alison Jones, highly recommended by a um, by Nicola Hewlin, actually, who I, in, um, I interviewed at the start of this podcast for the podcast launch. Um, she is a reputable um, business book um, publisher. She's the founder of Practical Inspiration Publishing. She has 20 years um, of experience uh, as an editor with giants in the public in publishing industry. She's also a book coach for entrepreneurs. She's the creator of the 10-day book proposal challenge, which I've done three or four times. And she's a podcaster. She has an extraordinary business book club. So these are solid credentials. And I, the reason I'm insisting on this is not so that you value her book more. I think the value of the book comes from reading it already. It's to understand that there's, it's a jungle out there uh, amongst people who help other people write books. And there are people who are there for your money, for sure. So if you want to make sure that you, if you hire someone and you invest thousands of pounds into a book coach, you want to make sure that it's going to be someone who's trustworthy and who will actually get the thing done. Now, Alison Jones is a hybrid publisher. And if you don't know the publishing industry, there's traditional publishing, there's self-publishing, and she's in between because she has a background in traditional publishing. She has a team, she has a solid, you know, she goes to book fairs. She's known in the industry. So she also knows how to um, promote books in, in a wonderful way. On this note, actually, the author is also crucial in the publishing um, process and the promoting um, marketing of the book. So don't think that because you have a solid publishing uh, house that you, your job is done when you write the book. You have to be incredibly proactive in promoting your book. Um, but Alison offers four free deals a year during her challenges. So I think I've mentioned her challenge in a previous podcast episode. Her next one, there was one in September. Her next one's going to be in January, then it's April, and then it's um, July, something like that. So watch out for her, um, her challenges. I have an affiliate link if you want to sign up. So feel free to call me or um, email me or contact me through my social media um, uh, channels uh, and I will give you the affiliate link. Sadly, her affiliate links only work like literally a few days before she does uh, or a week or two before she does um, her challenges. But if you follow me on LinkedIn, I, I do share these links when they come up. But the idea that I love about Alison's work and the idea that actually validated mine and made me so happy because it came from such a serious um you know, book coach, is that your book is at the center of your content strategy. It actually helps build your business. It doesn't take anything away from it. And that's something that um, is not commonly talked about in, in the business uh, circles. So at the start of her book, she gives you several tools to make sure you write the right book, okay? Because the biggest mistake that people make is to write a book about... Um, your current or past clients, the things that you know. 
But everybody evolves, every um, business evolves. And as a, as a consequence, if you don't have a long-term vision and Alison helps you through the book to look at your 20-year vision, because your book is here to stay. And if you're going to put all these hours into writing it and promoting it, you want it to pay dividends for a long, long time. So you don't want to write a book for your past clients or what you've done in the past. And I've made that mistake myself. You want to write a book that your future client needs. Maybe the clients that you want to bring into your practice that are the next level clients. Does that make sense? So she also, um, she's going to talk about in her book loads of things that you need to know. And I, I was always browsing through it. I was smiling and smiling and smiling because I realized that in the 20 years that I've worked as an author of my 20 years career as an author, I've actually learned all these things, you know, the hard way, like finding out through trial and error making mistakes whereas she obviously has the experience and and puts it all on a platter for you so absolutely gorgeous she helps you to create your plan she has loads of of tips um you know she offers tools um so she has like a three-step um process for you to determine uh who your what your ideal book should be written at the moment and it's kind of um comforting that even though I've just finished my book and I'm reading her book um, when most of her readers would be still thinking about it, I ticked all the boxes in terms of my ideal reader about what content I should write about and, uh, and the rest. So anyway, her three steps are um, identify your ideal reader and it might not be your current reader. It could be your future reader, your future client. So we've talked about that. So writing the right book, and she gives four different ways um, to make that decision. Now, of course, I do that intuitively by connecting to the energy of the book that wants to be written through you. So that can cut through a lot of it. But it's always good to have also, um, you know, logical, um, tried and tested um, tools that can help you, even if you've had an intuition or an idea, make put the, these ideas through the grind to make sure they're they're um, they're serious and that they um, they're tested. So she talks about the Venn diagram, about so what, about a priority quadrant and a decision grid. So all of these will be described in the book and will help you fine tune the idea for your book. But she has it right. You need to decide your ideal reader first, because depending on who you're writing for, you can write not only several books, but you'll probably write completely different books, even if it was the same topic. Right. And then you want to test if there's a market. And this is where she made me smile, because the biggest test is when you put a um, buy button on. It doesn't matter if you ask 100 people if they would buy your book if you wrote it. At the end of the day, the only test is if they're going to buy it when, you, when you've written it and when you market it. So she is actually, um, there's one of the quotes that I want to give you, and I don't know if it's in the book, but it's definitely something she says in her challenge, which I absolutely love. You know, when you decide to write a book, you need to look at your competing titles. So you need to make some research to see if books have been written about the same topic. And for beginner authors it's very challenging because it you know it's like oh someone else already wrote a book maybe I shouldn't do it or suppose like me like literally this morning I found out that there's a girl who wrote a book about intuition and is just promoting it now and mine is about to be promoted now I could say to myself this is it she's done it I shouldn't be doing it I've lost but what Alison says that you need to remember 
always is that books are not like fridges. If you buy a fridge, you won't need another one. If you buy a book on a topic, you're probably likely to buy three, four, five, six books on the same topics because everybody has a different take on it. And you might read the book, like someone might read this girl's book and might not actually connect that much with it. I recently bought a book about intuition that I didn't gel with at all. It was too fluffy. It was too full of, you know, unconvincing meditations and that sort of stuff. It might be excellent for someone else, but it wasn't good for me. So if I want to find the right book, I'll keep buying books about the same topic. So it's actually a very good um, sign if someone else has already written a book about it, especially if they have lots of reviews on Amazon um, and if they have, you'd see that a lot of people have, have an interest in it. It shows that there's a market for it in a bit in the same way as, um, you know, the fact that your business has already been done by someone else is an indication that there's a market for it. So it's all good. OK. So let's move on to <clears throat> the next part. She encourages you to look at the content that you already have so that you can repurpose some. But I think the very first thing that you need to do is create a table of content, like structure your book ahead of time so that you know which bit goes where, where, sorry. So she, she will help you look at what you already have. Um, she was also help you to get your platform ready, which is super important. And I know it's like almost cliche. Everybody, if the, the moment they talk about writing a book, the next thing is about platform. But platforms are super important because the the time when publishers would, would promote a book is long gone. Uh, and they will do to some extent, but they actually leverage the effort that's made by the author. They can just take you to that next level because they have these contacts, but they're not going to be the ones selling your book. So when you start writing a book, when you're clear about the idea, this is when you start to think platform. So think about the chapters of your book that you're writing and which ones could be turned into articles for the press or for magazines or publications, okay? Blog. Um, she's talking about blogging because she has a quote by Seth Godin in her book. And he says, idea shares are worth more than ideas kept to yourself. Um, so again, we're breaking the um, the the myths or, or you know, the, the preconceived ideas that people have about ideas. And when you blog, it leaves a trail. And it's only after you blog for a long time that you get to start to get that traction and that visibility. So you need to get into the habit of writing and publishing. So she talks about PR, well, not PR was my bit, but she talks about blogging, email lists, um, podcasts, communities that you can build around your book, better readers, and also interviews to have stories for your book because people like to have case studies in their books. So she also has a wonderful make it happen section with great tips. Okay. Now, um, before I conclude this podcast, I need to talk to you about something very, very important is that authors, good authors need to read. They need to read a lot. And even though I never saw myself as an author, I was so crass at French in school. I was raised in Paris, just in case you hadn't um, sussed it out just yet. I mean, France, you wouldn't have known I was from Paris, but um, I'm not English. So 
um, French was a challenge for me. I had to have private tuition with regards to the grammar. Whenever I needed to write an essay, it was agony for me. But I had something for me um, that was a really, really uh, strong assets for becoming an author. And that's, I love reading. I'm constantly reading something, an article, a book, uh, a blog, uh, anything. I just read, read, read. I cannot get enough of reading. And interestingly enough, I was watching a YouTube video um, because I'm listening to an audiobook. I do a lot of audiobooks now because I don't have the time to actually pick up a book and read that much. So I actually listen to audiobooks whilst I do the chores in the house. If I have to go on an errand in my in my car, that's where I'm going to uh, listen to some more. Uh, when I when I used to go for a run, I would listen to um, to some some audiobooks. And when I do my gardening, I definitely do that as well. So you want to start to find ways to um, to do that yourself. And if you're not just ready to write your book yet, I would encourage you to start reading business books because you'll learn so much from reading them. And I have something very, very special for you with this regard. in this regard. I am launching a free inspiring business book circle. Now, let me explain to you a bit how it's going to work. I'm not going to run the circles myself. I'm going to give you a framework where you can start your own business book circle, inspired or inspiring, sorry, business book circle. Uh, I will give you a list and all the instructions to run your circle um, with the books that I suggest that you read in order for you to be um, successful in your business, okay? But it's also a give and take. If I was like a traditional uh, business book club, um, I suppose, um, um, business, I would charge you for it. I'm not going to charge you for that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, ask you to help launch my book by putting this book at the top of the list of the reading list in, in the, the, the circle that you're going to start. OK, so who is it for? Let's see if you are the ideal person to start this reading, um, this reading circle, this book circle. I think um, you need to be already in business to have a network of peers maybe even a business organization, and you're good at leading groups. I was going to say, even if you're not, I will give support calls that will be paid for. You will have to pay a part if you take part in my, in my supportive circles for your um, book club. But, um, yeah, it, you need to, to want to be the, the leader of this group and the initiator. So if you're someone who takes action, then I want to speak to you, Okay. So I will put the link to sign up for my um, book newsletter because this is where I'm going to talk about this uh, book club and how you can join. I will put the links in the show notes in the in actual um, in the apps, but also go back to my website uh, www.theintuitiverevolution.co.uk um, to look at the show notes so you can also find the link to purchase Alison's book. Thank you so much for listening today. I am uh, so grateful that you're still listening to me. If you think this episode might benefit someone else, please share it with them. And I will see you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, 
Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.